Uh, so here we are, another uh, Friday. Uh, Yippee kayo kaye. Uh, the, the days, the days of looking forward to the weekend, somehow during this pandemic, are far less significant since one day seems to run into the next and seems to be just about the it's same. It's amazing how days follow each other, isn't it? It's amazing. One comes and then then it's gone, and then there's another one. It's amazing. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is the new backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, and um, um, the significance of this is uh, um, negligible, I think, uh, given that Allen's going to play every game that he can, and if he's not healthy, Trubisky, is he good enough to step in and do what Allen does? I think the answer to that is no. Do you agree? Well, I, I agree with that. But the, the one thing I would say, by the way, Trubisky made the playoffs twice, twice for the Bears, and even though Bears fans think that he was a disaster – um, the one thing I would say, and I think the people within the Bills organization are saying, is that at least when Trubisky goes in for Allen, if he has to, uh, they don't have to change the playbook very much. You know, they're physically they're you know they're about the same size. Uh, there's an expectation that Allen's not afraid to run. Trubisky's not afraid to run. I, I think from from this, you know, just from the, the position of not having to change the playbook at all, from the starter to the backup quarterback. I think it's enough to think that this is a win for the Bills. Well, um, I would say this much in any organization, not just the Buffalo Bills for uh, um, as an example, but in any organization, you lose your starting quarterback, um, your chances of going to a Super Bowl are almost non-existent. So uh, if the Bills aspire to be a Super Bowl team, and I think they're on the, I think they're at that point right now yeah. where they think they're good enough and probably are good enough if things fall the right way to uh, potentially be a Super Bowl team once again. Um, but they're going to do it with Allen. I don't think they're going to do it with Trubisky. Well, so. I mean, but as I said, you know, Trubisky, you know, did make the playoffs a couple of times. You know, he, 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 this guy's not a, not just, a, you know, the walking dead. Well, he's not horrible, but, um, and it's no, I, I'm not trying to slam Trubisky and his abilities. He would be very good as a backup quarterback, but again, I'm just trying to state that the significance of this is negligible given that if your starting quarterback goes down, you're in trouble. Wow. Almost regardless who the backup is. And that's any organization. Yeah. By the uh, way, the other Buffalo team uh, lost again. Shocking, huh? That's 13 now. Uh, so much for the significance of bringing in a new coach and having well. that uh, immediate impact, huh? Which we... <laughs> talk about all the time well oh. he but the new coach was six feet to the right for the previous 12 games oh i get it i get it uh calgary has been another story altogether huh well and uh they've, they've got back-to-back games with the maple leafs this weekend uh and uh, they won their first three they did not look good in their fourth uh, for daryl sutter and uh the only way that daryl sutter i think can get this team to win is if they uh they keep the goals against and shots down and that'll be a big challenge against the maple leafs uh, a basketball uh, show today, uh, as we will address a bunch of uh, issues. Uh, Bob Ryan of the Boston Globe, Michael Grange of Sportsnet will join us when we continue after these messages. We are back on the uh, program. Yours truly, Bob McCown, along with John Shannon. Um, sadly, our friend Bob Ryan has not shown up yet. Maybe he'll make an appearance in the midst of this epic production. Or perhaps <laughs> he will be lost in an impenetrable forest somewhere. He's in the ether. He's in the ether somewhere. We don't know. We hope he's okay. Hope he didn't get snowed in or something, you know, Boston. 
but we are fortuitous in that uh, our friend Michael Grange of Sportsnet joins us on the uh, program. Grange, you look fine. How are you? I'm well, Bob. I'm well. Good to be on the air with you and John for a long time, but it feels like yesterday. It was not yesterday, I can assure you of that. But um, it's nice. I don't know. Yesterday's just you know, yesterday's just another day, though, Michael. You never know. That's right. Yesterday could have been 2017. <laughs> uh, so hoops talk. Um, let's start with this. I know we're going to spend a little bit of time with the Raptors, but in a normal year, um, the best teams in the NBA will win more than 70 percent of their games, and that would be. Uh, you'd be looking at 57-plus wins a year. And it's not unusual to have several teams over 60 um, and, you know, maybe even a couple more in the high 50s. We have one team uh, this year, albeit it's going to be an abbreviated year, with a winning percentage of over 700, and that's the Utah Jazz. And um, Who, by the way, the Raptors played tonight. And, and it leaves us, or it leaves me in a situation of, uh, you know, as I try and assess who the best team is, who's most likely to win. And usually you can come up with one or two teams that you think these, these are the teams that are going to be the favorites. I don't know, Grange, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that there might be six, even eight teams that logically could prevail here. Am I nuts? Oh, you're not nuts. Um, you're very correct to point out it's, it's an unusually flat year. And, um, you know, Utah was getting a lot of buzz as, as this kind of juggernaut powerhouse type thing. But you're right, even at kind of their peak uh, winning percentage, and then they've slid a little bit, they were kind of projecting to be a 61, 62 win team. And, you know, just as a point of comparison, the Raptors last year, who no one thought of as a juggernaut, they ended up playing at a 60 win pace. So, that's what Utah is, is kind of trundling along at here. Um, and, it, but I think there's a couple of reasons for that. And, you know, one is, you know, the Lakers, they've had some injuries and, and they could win 45 games in an 80 game season or play at that pace. And I don't think anyone would not think them to be one or one a as the, as the favorite, um, you know, I think if you, and then if you look at the other end of, uh, you know, you look at the East, I think, you know, the Sixers have been near the top of the conference all year, but, and they're a very good team, but, you know, they're definitely in that kind of Milwaukee Bucks, you know, they got to prove it because they just have not asserted themselves in the playoffs uh, since uh, they've been an, an elite team. And then the Brooklyn Nets are a team that, you know, when they briefly been together um, and had their big three on the floor, which hasn't been very often, they've been incredible, like honestly incredible. And, you know, but they've been so shorthanded either with Harden not being with them early. Uh, you had Kyrie Irving going on his unscheduled vacation. And now Kevin Durant, who are there understandably being very, very careful with, uh, with his hamstring problem. Um, so they've just never been at full strength and yet are, are have kind of emerged as the cream of the East. So I think there's, there's probably when I see teams that I think I could, I could envision lifting uh, a championship trophy. I see, I actually see four in the East. I see, I, I think Brooklyn is the favorite. I see Philly, Milwaukee and Miami, and they've all kind of emerged as the top four teams right now. 
Miami is kind of getting a little slept on because they were so slow to start. And then I see three in the West. I see, uh, I do think Utah is a championship level team, the Lakers obviously in the Clippers. So, and that's unusual to your point. I think typically we'd go into the playoffs or this time of year, there might be two or three or four teams maximum, but to have seven legitimate contenders, I think is, uh, is unusual, but, but probably welcome. Slide your mic this, back out this, again uh, because yeah. It, yeah, we're having a sure. little issue with okay. Michael's microphone. So, 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 Michael, is this a case of this regular season, the seventy-two game season, not meaning as much plus the expanded playoffs? So the the players aren't as, I guess, focused on. They just want to get in, and then then they'll they'll figure out what to do in the playoffs. John, I I, I kind of think it's it's not that different than what all of us are, are going through to a certain extent. Right. I think there's a, it's been a blah 400 days, <laughs> if whatever it is. I mean, once you get through the crises, um, it's just sort of groundhog day. I think the season itself is compressed. Um, there's been a number of teams that have been hit pretty hit at various times hard by COVID. And that has in turn um, kind of compressed the season even further. And for the elite teams that went deep in the bubble last year, uh, you know, the, I, th I think there's been a, a hangover effect. And so, and with no fans in the building, for the most part, home court isn't as significant a factor in terms of making sure you get it. So I think just generally, I, I, it sort of, sort of feels like the league is playing along at kind of 90% efficiency, 90% of capacity. It's not that there's not some great basketball being played, but there's just so many flat nights where, you know, you have a team for whatever reason, third game and fourth night for the third week in a row. And, you know, the, it, you're just getting some weird performances. And, and, and so I think last year, you know, the playoffs on the bubble were electric and. But they were different. That was they were different. different. They yeah. were different. Um, but uh, for, I think it, what's going to be interesting, John, actually is, is because the environment was so confined and controlled last year, the level of play was extraordinary. And I think it was because players were rested, no distractions, lots of sleep, lots of time off your feet. And when they hit the floor, you were getting the best they had. And uh, so we'll see if that translates this year. But, but I think uh, that it just feels like to me, I can't say it for sure, but it just feels like there's kind of a holding pattern going on and teams want to get in the area they need to be in, but they're not, you know, nobody's trying to win 65 or 70 games. And I kind of wonder too, like you look at the best team we've all ever seen regular season, uh, you know, that 73 win Warriors team from 2015, 16, you can't have a better regular season than that. We'll never see a better one. And where did they end up? Right. They've ended up second right. place. So I think there's, there's sort of an understanding. You need to be good enough to get where you need to go. And then after that, try and be healthy. Yeah. Speaks well, you see, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> speaks to the uh, New England Patriots um, undefeated season where they wound up losing the Super Bowl to the Giants too. Uh, sometimes we overrate the significance of victories in the regular season. I, I must point out that one team you neglected to mention in your rundown of teams you think are capable of winning a championship, and I'm not here to suggest that they are, but the Phoenix Suns sit, I think, second yeah. or third in the West. And what is even more intriguing to me, Grange, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, in the play-in schedule at the end of last year, they were allowed in 
won eight consecutive games, all eight games that they played, and still did not make the playoffs. So if you if you lump that little group of games into this year, they got the best record in the NBA over that period of time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, you're right. And, and um, I guess it was an intentional oversight. I, I think what you're seeing with the Clippers is the Chris Paul effect, who um, you know joined the team this year. And he's kind of like Kyle Lowry plus plus, right? He, he brings all the same attributes that Kyle Lowry brings to a team. Here in Toronto, we're very familiar with that, with what all that means in terms of IQ and toughness and leadership, but he's just a little bit more. And um, he's just brought all of that to what was a pretty good core in, in Phoenix, but um, I don't think anyone projected this. And, you know, what's, what's really interesting is, is, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk maybe about the MVP race a little bit, but, but Chris Paul is, at once a first ball ballot hall of famer, like there's no question about it. He, he may be, if you study the matter, he may be the best point guard that's ever played. Um, and yet is, con- you know, because he's never had that huge playoff success and has had some really high profile playoff failures, um, mm-hmm. not all because of him, um, you know, he's kind of underrated. Right. And here he is, uh, you know, you look at, um, what he did last year in Oklahoma City, and, you know, he took a, a very young kind of un, un, no, nobody, a team nobody really weighed very heavily, and they were very difficult out in the playoffs last year. And then what he's done here in Phoenix uh, to turn them into a, a fringe contender, we could say. Certainly, they're putting together a great regular season. Um, you know, Chris Paul is a guy who probably should be in the MVP conversation. Um, you know, but he's, you know, he hasn't yet been, and uh, we'll see if that'll change. Well, the, 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 the whole Houston experiment for him was a disaster. Let's face it. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, it wasn't. Well, wasn't. Ex- I mean, it, I mean, but ex- the, except you're supposed to, you're, you're supposed to win championships. They were up three, two. And yeah. pops his hand you're supposed to, you're supposed right? to and, win and, championships. And that, that's the story of Chris Paul is right. Um, at very critical moments, either he's had an injury or it's, it's almost like Steve Nash in Phoenix where, you know, it, it seems like at every moment they should have pushed and broken through somebody was hurt or suspended right. or something. And, and it's a, he's played his whole career under this little cloud Chris Paul has, but you know, I can remember vividly at the end of game, uh, you know, it was Chris Paul holding his hamstring and they were up. Mm-hmm. 3-2 and uh, they lose the next two games and the, you know that was the team to the Warriors and, and there's no question in, in, in anyone's mind that Rockets team was if not the best team in the NBA was second best and he well, when you when you said when Michael when you said that Chris Paul was maybe the best point guard of all time my mind started to whir and of course I'm I started to whir in black and white first 
um, you know, <laughs> dating back, back to when it was the St. Louis Hawks and the Boston Celtics and, yep. and the Knicks uh, and, and all those guys. And, and, and then it did quickly go to Steve. And so in his, and so I, I, for the record, you, you would have rather had Chris Paul than Steve Nash. Oh, I would. Yeah. Yeah. I just think he's, he's, uh, he's maybe not quite as elegant an offensive player as Steve was. And, and Steve brings, you know, a whole boatload of other attributes, but Chris Paul, if he's not the best point guard that's ever played, he's the best great point guard that's ever played defense defensively. Um, okay. and, and, you know, there's, you know, there's a handful of guys out there who, you know, Michael Ray Richardson and, you know, there's other guys who were more defensive specialists who maybe were more impactful, but of, if you, you know, you'd have Jason Kidd, uh, as you know, on a all class, all world defender, you probably you have Chris Paul and, and John Stockton would be in there too. Sure. And if I were to pick, you know, if I could have any point guard, it would probably be between John Stockton and Chris Paul. And, uh, you know, and, and yet, you know, again, uh, Stockton made the finals. So, and he's got the records in terms of assists and steals that'll never be broken. And of course, I'm overlooking Magic Johnson, but. Well, uh, I was going to throw that one out there. And the only I'm thing. I'm not that, sure that, he's a point guard though. I'm well, not sure. Well, he is. People, but it's he crazy is. to overlook him. Um, you know, because, you know, the, we talk about greatest player of all time. And we're always, it's always Michael. Is it MJ? Is it Michael? And, and, you know, really it's just as legitimate a question to say, is it magic or is it Kareem? And, sure. um, you know, we kind of, we kind of go over those, but, but anyway, so Chris Paul, like, you know, he's, he's just a year uh, or sorry, two years less service time than LeBron James. And he's never had a bad season. He's had a number of seasons that are statistically, you know, when you, kind of do the more enhanced stats we have available to us now are as good as any, almost anyone has ever played. And he's done it year over year. He just stacks them up, stacks them up. And uh, it would be an incredible story if he were to take this Phoenix team, as Bob points out, and mm -hmm. do something really special with it. But uh, I, I personally wouldn't bet on them. I, I think they're just too young and unproven elsewhere in their lineup. I don't disagree with you at all, Grange. I, I, just, I just thought that it was um, an omission that needed to be noted. Yep. Yep, totally. uh, given, given Paul, well, they're second in the West, right? <laughs> so they're second in the that. West, and as I say, you add eight wins on at the end of last year, which aren't really legitimate because it isn't exactly the same team. But nonetheless, this is a team. Yeah. This is an organization that has been at or near the bottom of the NBA for a considerable period of time, and teams like that, we often when they start to rise. We, we don't pay attention to them. We're always looking for the team that was, was really good last year. And, and this team has just kind of exploded onto the scene. Yeah. And hey, um, I don't, by I don't the way, know. You, you, you mentioned Michael Jordan. Uh, uh, Michael. Why is he coming back? Uh, <laughs> well, no, 26 years ago today, 26 years ago today, he came back. Wow. Wow. The, that, that is <laughs> stunning. I know, 26 years ago. <laughs> the uh it's funny because i i my claim to fame is i think i don't think i know i'm the only canadian journalist who uh covered his final championship with the bulls in 98 uh covered his first retirement and covered his that return in madison square garden so yeah. those are my those are my that's my 
triumvirate that uh, that'll never be. And the thing, the story I remember about him retiring at the time, you know, uh, in '98 or following the win in '98, was uh, being in the United Center and listening to him, you know, give his his farewell speech. And, <laughs> and at the time, I'd read something where he 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 was a member of eleven golf golf clubs simultaneously, and saying, you know, I really want to spend more time with my family. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, like, look, your dude, clubs then. I'm sorry. No dude who's a member of 11 different golf clubs is retiring to spend more time with his family. But anyway, that's <laughs> um, I want to spend some time talking about uh, the uh, Toronto Raptors um, appropriately, um, where they are, where they're going, uh, what decisions are going to be made over the next couple of weeks in terms of their future and how they should um, deal with what the present is um and we want to talk about that in, in an extended uh, uh period so uh, let's take a break here we'll come back more bob ryan apparently is not going to join us uh, but uh, we're fortuitous that uh, michael grange is with us and we will continue the conversation after these messages yours truly bob mccowan john shannon michael grange of sportsnet in a conversation about basketball the Toronto Raptors have now lost uh, six games in a row. Uh, five of those came with um, a lineup of, uh, of, of guys who uh, probably needed to be introduced to the audience on a regular basis, on a nightly basis. Um, because, introduced to each other. Uh, I, I assume the, the second stringers know who the second stringers are, but you're <laughs> right. Um, and we can talk about the fairness of forcing the Raptors to play these games with a lineup that was incapable of winning um and now you've got well you have in the last game you had two of the three back everybody but Ananobi and uh but it's going to take time for them to get into this they're now what 11th Grange is that where they stand in the yep, East? 11th uh, 17 and 23 six games under 500 uh it raises the question of what do you do if you are um management of this team do you stick to the game plan that you had at the beginning of the year, perhaps, and, and think, well, series of circumstances have put us in this position, a very slow start, two and eight, then a recovery to get back to 500, then the COVID thing. Um, how do you evaluate this team? Let's start with that question. Is, is this a, a middle-of-the-pack team? Is it a lower-of-the-middle-of-the-pack team? It's not a championship team. I think that we can we can be sure of. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, and that's that's the key there, Bob. Um, they're, they're a top four, top six team in the East. Uh, I don't think they're, I think there's a big gap between them and say the top two teams at least. I mean, you know, I don't, I think, I think Brooklyn is going to be head and shoulders, proved to be head and shoulders. So, and I don't think any iteration of this Raptors team would be a threat to them. They're just, Brooklyn's just got too many guns. 
after that, I mean, you can see the Raptors giving problems to almost anybody, but they're not going to win a title. Uh, they know that. Um, you and I know that. Uh, I think, so the question becomes, if you're not going to win a title, if you, it's going to be uphill just to even put yourself in a good position to make any kind of noise in the playoffs, given where they are now, and you're playing in Tampa, no fans, you know, minimal playoff revenue, all those kind of considerations. Is this not the year to, uh, you know, to punt? And I, I think that they kind of know that internally. Uh, and, and so I, I think that they're very, very open to any opportunity they might have to move on from this core. I wrote a week ago that Kyle Lowry, as an example, was probably not going to be traded. And I'm not sure that's uh, not still the case. Um, that was based on conversations with two, three or four different people who are kind of in a good position to know what where Kyle's headed as at and things like that. But the challenge with Kyle is for all the right reasons, it's not going to be a divorce. It's not going to be, we're going to send you anywhere that will have you. It's going to be, Kyle, there's some, there's an opportunity with this club. Does that interest you? And, right. and all of that. And, and when you kind of go through that math and with the number he has on his deal, he's still 31 million bucks or on paper, 31 million bucks. It's just a really tough hurdle to get over when the Raptors precondition is they don't want to take back any, any, any bad contracts or extended contracts. So they're looking for ex about $25 million in expiring money. Uh, they're looking for at least some kind of draft pick and a first round pick and at least some kind of young prospect. And, and then in turn, uh, and so really it comes down to the, you know, Miami making a trade the other day. So that's kind of taken them out of the picture. It really comes down to Philadelphia. And I think there's a lot of obvious reasons why there's a, a great fit on the floor. Kyle's obviously from Philly. Um, but the, here's the challenge with that one that I don't think people are calculating all that well is if you're Daryl Morey, who's been parachuted in from Houston and he's kind of the Chris Paul of executives, right? Like he's built a lot of great teams. He's never won. Um, you know, this would be his shot to add to the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid uh, twosome. So whatever move he's going to make in terms of the prospect capital he has, the draft capital he has, he's got to be sure it's the one that's going to put them over the top. And with Kyle, who's 35 on train deadline day, and, you know, if you do make that trade for Kyle, who's a free agent, you're giving up a lot of negotiating power to Kyle Lowry this, this coming offseason in terms of, you know, you can't give up the, that draft and prospect capital for a guy who's a rental, not if he's Kyle Lowry. I'm right. sorry, he's not worth that as a rental. And once you've given, you've made that swing, you're out of the running for any other moves you might want to make. And all of a sudden, Kyle turns around and says, yeah, I want two years, 30 million bucks. <laughs> and when you factor in luxury taxes, the, the Sixers have three players already on max deals. Um, you know, that all of a sudden that 60 million you're paying to Kyle Lowry at age 35 is probably about $120 million when you factor in luxury taxes. So, uh, you know, so I think that's why, you know, people kind of make that connection with the Sixers, but I don't think it's quite as clear cut as the, there's an obvious reason that deal might get made but there are reasons that it might not get made. And so I, you know, the, the, I could kind the, of see Kyle staying put. 
the funny thing you talk about Murray going to Philly to make a difference and making a big decision. This is the one organization uh, that I think ownership will, who love analytics. This ownership group loves numbers. Uh, I'm not saying there are other teams that don't, but this one lives and dies with analytics. Um, that if, if, if they feel that, uh, listen, this is our chance for the short term, are we prepared to take that risk? All those, all those things you mentioned are, are tremendously valid. This is one for me that just reeks of ownership sticking its nose in and saying, we, this is what we need. Yeah, that's a great point. One way or the other. Yeah, it's a going point. And it would be one that ownership would have to get in on just because it's, it is going to eventually. But, but I, I can see them pushing though. Michael, yeah, I, can see no, ownership, I, I can see ownership pushing him as opposed to him pushing them. Listen, there, there's a, there, there is 10 great reasons to make that trade. And, you know, and, and I, but I think, and you can, you can do the math on it. And I think right now there's probably, you know, probably much better than I do, John, how these do, deals do go down when they go down as they kind of reach a point they're each side's kind of talked through every proposal they could imagine. <laughs> and then it just goes quiet, right? Cause now we're in it's poker time and who's going to crack. And um, you know, so we'll see where that ends up, but for all the reasons I just talked about the guy, I think that gets traded is Norm Powell. And um, well, I want to get there, but let's sure. before we, before we sure. get there, because we're going to have an argument with... Because uh, that's what I said yesterday, and Bob thought I was full of it, just for the record, Michael. <laughs> oh, I get why people think Norm Powell is, is going to be traded, and he might be. I just I, I would adamantly disagree with the assessment that he, he should be traded, and but we'll get to that. For a long time in sports, you did not trade key assets to rival teams whereby that could come back and bite you in the ass. Um, is Philadelphia a rival team simply because they're in the same conference as the Toronto Raptors? Uh, because they went through a grinding seven-game playoff en route to um, the Raptors' championship? Would Masai Ujiri et al. be reluctant, in your opinion, Grange, to deal Lowry to the Sixers? I don't think that would be the factor. I, I think, you know, if you're dealing Kyle, then you know, you're kind of accepting that this is, you know, what has been just an, an extraordinary seven, we're in the eighth year uh, run is coming to a close and it's time to kind of try and reposition. So you've got to accept that maybe you're stepping back this year, maybe you might even be stepping back, stepping back next year. Um, so you're really making choices for your long-term uh, benefit. So if it has to, ends up, you know, the Sixers finish first in the division, the Raptors finish eighth, uh, and they end up playing each other in the first round of the playoffs, which isn't inconceivable at all. Um, it would be kind of awkward, but I don't think that's why the deal wouldn't get done. Um, I, I really think it wouldn't get done because Philly, I really think it's Philly. That would, that would be the, the, the people to back out for the reasons I talked about. Yeah. Uh, let me throw let me throw another thing at you. Uh, for some period of time, there was speculation that the LA teams um, periodically might be intrigued. They can't do it. They can't do it. Uh, the Lakers, you know, they they don't need Kyle. I mean, they do, but no. they don't, and they don't have the pieces really to make a deal. Um, and the Clippers, who desperately need Kyle, 
have no draft picks and the only way they could put salary together would involve the Raptors taking on uh, years of bad money for players they don't want. And, and really on terms of young prospects that the Clippers don't have either. There's just not a fit there. There is a fit from, I mean, the people may or may not know, Ty Lu, the head coach of the Clippers is one of Kyle Lowry's very closest friends in the NBA. And Chauncey Billups, who's an assistant coach with the Clippers, might be Kyle's, Kyle Lowry's closest friend in the NBA. So there's there's a there's reason, a there's a connection there, but it's just the mechanics of that deal can't work. Um, and there's that other guy, and there's that other guy that he won with is another connection. Right, and that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's ignoring Serge and Kawhi, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but, but I mean, and that gets to Kyle's, you know, 30 million bucks, and it's just a hard... Sure deal to, to, to manufacture. All right, let's get to the, um, the issue at hand really. And that is, um, what if, if not Kyle Lowry, and it could still be Kyle Lowry, but if you don't move Kyle Lowry, are you obligated to move Norman Powell? And the reason behind that would be that Powell is on a contract that is about to expire. It pays him around $11 million a year. It is not unreasonable to assume that Norman Powell will want a significant salary increase and will get it uh, for next year. His performance this year has been extraordinary, and he's put himself in a position where he's, at least in my view, he's probably a $20 million a year guy um, going forward over over multiple years. Um, The consensus seems to be that Powell is expendable for the uh, Toronto Raptors, that he is the most likely guy to go, that you should get something for him because you're not going to re-sign him. Um, and I assume, Mr. Grange, based on your very brief comments from a moment ago, you adhere to that opinion, that it is inevitable that Norman Powell will be dealt. Close to inevitable. Um, here's, here's an interesting, you know, I've been kind of noodling around with some numbers and things like that. And if I would ask you who are the best five, best five shooters in the NBA today. You know who would who would be. Who, well, you, know, you got to be Steph. You know, there'd be Steph Curry, yep. Dame yep. Lillard, yep. Um, Duncan Robinson. Although he's you know we're talking shooting, not scoring. James, James Harden's not bad. You know Joe Harris is shooting fifty percent from three. Right. You know, like it, it, I'm, I, I I can do. With very little effort, I'm talking very little, you know, the most basic kind of parameters. So in the past two years, players who've hit 200 threes and who've uh, shot with a true shooting percentage. So that's your overall shooting percentage from two, from three free throws uh, of over 625, which is a very elite number. There's four guys on the list and Norm Powell's one of them. Um, he's the only guy, you know, his, his shooting performance this, these past two years is absolutely elite, 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 elite. And what's amazing to me is how little discussion you never see Norm Powell talked about by kind of other NBA voices. He's never mentioned on a national broadcast. He's never kind of on Woj's podcast. He's, He's the most slept on player in the entire league, bar none, at least in public facing. Um, 
So that's just a bit of a preamble. And he would fit in on any team that has, he would, there, there's a, at least 20 teams in the NBA that he would fit on, fit very well with. Not exactly 20, but you know, any of the contenders, Philly, Chicago, Miami, either LA team, he would be a great fit because everyone needs his level of shooting. He can do it off the bench. He can do it in transition. He can do it. So there's that. Um, he would be in probably an even better fit for that next tier of teams. Like those ones like, who are kind of like trying the to, Knicks. yeah, a Knicks, you know, almost anyone, right. Those teams that are trying to get over the hump and not on, because in, the, in that environment, it wouldn't, you'd be talking not just about his shooting, but you, you know, he's a great culture guy. He's a great guy, great guy with young players, great work ethic, all these things that would sort of be, he's got a ring, got tons of playoff experience. So you'd want to inject that into uh, you know, a team that's, that's trying to make some noise. Um, and, and then on top of all those things is, you know, that $11 million contract, he's an extraordinary bargain. And so if you're building the, the benefit of you adding Norm Powell, not only for this playoff run is you would get his bird rights. And so in a very competitive free agent environment, you would be the team that could, uh, you know, wouldn't have to fit him under cap space. You could go over the cap to sign him, all those things. So, um, and so the question is, what would you get in return? And, and, you know, that'll, that's what we're going to find out in the next week, but. Well, maybe we are, but I mean, you, you have just very eloquently made my case for me. And my case is I'm not trading Norman Powell for all the reasons that you talked about. And there was, there's one more that I want to point out on a team that is almost devoid of players that can put the ball on the floor and go to the basket efficiently. Um, Norman Powell has that asset too. Yeah, no, and that, that's what dis, that's what distinguishes him from like the Joe Harris's. You're right, the pure shooters in the league, the Duncan Robinsons, because he's got another element to his game. But, but this, but this speaks to, but this speaks to whether what what they what the philosophy of the management team is. What is the philosophy of this team for the next three years? It's, what it's, is it? It's I don't know. <laughs> I well, don't I mean, know. doesn't Masai, does does Masai know, or does I think well, he, I, do, I, is Masai going to be is Masai going to be here? That's another question. Um, no guarantee of that. I would bet yes, but no guarantee. Um, you know, I think that they are in completely in transition, and I yeah. think that they've committed to three players who are all very good, none great. Um, I think they look at Norm as of those three they've committed to Van Vliet, Siakam, and OG. And it'll be, they see Norm as a step below them. I, I think that they have real problems with him as a defender and as a playmaker, as an as a overall IQ player. Um, you know, he's not the only guy in the league that would, who scores at his, like, I mean, you score the way he scores, people overlook a lot of flaws, but that's what I think they, they see as a flaw. Um, and so I think that they're trying to create some room now that they've committed to those three players to add and improve and so if you don't make any trades and you end and and you end up let's just say you sign kyle and you sign you sign norm and you've got chris boucher who i presume they'd want to keep around that six players and you'd be at uh about a hundred and you know maybe 110 15 million bucks that you're already over the cap for six guys you're the salary cap room you worked so hard to preserve this past off season yeah. is gone and um, you're, you know, are you really all that much better than 
you know, a 50, a nice 50 win team that gets beat in the second round every year. So, so I think that's, that's the challenge that they're facing is they won a title. How can they position themselves to um, add that next key player to help them win the title again? Yeah. Well, trading Norman, trading Norman Powell is the consensus opinion. I understand that. Um, are, is this organization prepared to consider the possibility of trading either Siakam or Ananobi? Nobody talks about trading Siakam. Ananobi, no, they can't anyway. He's, his extension hasn't kicked in yet, so he'd be very difficult to trade. Siakam would be, that's an interesting one. You know, um, that's, I don't, I wouldn't say, I don't think it's impossible. Not this year, but in the future. Well, but if, do you want to keep Norman Powell? Is Norman Powell and his offensive skill set so important to this organization? My difficulty is if you take Norm Powell out of this rotation, and he's been a starter almost all of this year, mostly because of injuries, but nonetheless, he's earned whatever minutes he's gotten. Um, where's your offense coming from? I agree with you. And, and another way to look at this, guys, is... You know, I've, I have criticized Masai and Bobby Webster. I think they really fumbled when they didn't make a bigger effort to, to bring back Serge Ibaka. But it, 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 what's kind of interesting to me is I think we all agree Kyle Lowry's got a couple more year, years left. Like, I don't, he's not falling off a cliff. He's, he's got enough. Give of you that. Yeah. yeah, he's got enough of those attributes that, that he doesn't need every ounce of, of quickness that he's had his whole career. He, he's, he, can, he can figure it out. And so if you, and if you do bring back Norm, who's still kind of improving amazingly. Um, so that's, you know, and Boucher shown some interesting signs. So if you took that group, that six players, and you added a legitimate quality big, I don't know where he would come from, who he would be, but somebody who can. Well, now you, know, you, got, you got something to talk about. Now, yeah. Is that, how bad a team is that? <laughs> that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good team and you're right we we're we're almost out of time but you know you made the valid point there when they chose to walk away from gasol and ibaka and mostly ibaka um which i think was a fundamental mistake agreed um they essentially put themselves in the position they're in right now of not having any inside presence and and being getting killed on the boards and it hurts them every single night they have to replace that. But do you have to get rid of Norman Powell? If there's a way to keep him, I hope they find that out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that's... Quick, it's, Mike. It's, yeah, no, so just to finish up, I mean, the one thing that doesn't explore get explored is bringing back the six players I mentioned and adding one very specific piece to them. And uh, mm -hmm. they, you know, that, that, that gives you, I think, two more years of 50-plus wins and... And then you never know, right? What's the worst out of that? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. So what's the worst that can happen? Grange, we must off. Time is our enemy. Uh, it's always good to see you and to talk to you. Uh, hopefully, you'll uh, you'll give us uh, some more of your time down the road. 
Uh, we enjoyed it very much. Thank you, Michael. All the best, guys. Good to talk with you. We'll come back with more after this message. And we are back, McCowan and uh, Shannon. Again, our thanks to uh, Michael Grange for uh, joining us. He was Boy. on a roll. He was on a roll today. It, it's, you know, uh, you don't get this all the time, but the Raptors are in such an interesting position right now where you can debate the merits of what the next move is. And there almost has to be some kind of a move. The, the last thing they can do is discount what's happened over the last five or six games and say, we're still good enough because I think we, we all know they aren't good enough. And the other thing that's happened, John, is once you win a championship, the goal of just being a competitive team, a playoff team, doesn't, Not good enough. doesn't hold water anymore, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And I think that, uh, you know, that's why I'm a, I'm a little more aggressive with uh, trying to find a way to get this organization uh, to worry not about this year, the end of this year or next year. I think they have to look farther down the, down the calendar. I think they have to look two or three years down the way. And, and that actually brings up a couple of things. That's why I would get rid of Powell. Cause I think you could get something for the future for Powell because of everything that Michael talked about, whether it be the bird rights, whether it be his attractive contract for the remainder of the season. Um, but then it also brings up, is your core the right core? Ananobi, is he the right guy? Siakam, is he the right guy? You know, and, and Van Vliet. Now I, I you know, I, I was, Van Vliet has, Van Vliet has worked himself in now to be being, being the fan favorite, being really a guy who's in so many ways, the engine of this basketball team. He's the heir apparent point guard. Sure. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you what, I would be in the, in a pandemic year with revenues down, I would be looking, I would be looking at nothing short-term and everything long-term. And so that to me, that's why the Powell trade makes more sense than anything else. It really does. Well, I, I would hate to see him, him go. Um, I do understand your point of view, um, but there's, there's going to be clearly a reluctance. This organization made some decisions on some players with some big money contracts. And um, I think they regret at least one of them. And, um, and they gave Ananobi a lot of money. And I, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, I, I I'll tell you up, down, back, forth and sideways. Um, uh, a, he has limited offensive ability, limited ability to move the basketball around offensively and be a part of the core. He, he's not good at putting the ball on the floor. Uh, he is a very good defender on a team that was once um, an elite defensive team, but now is not. And you can't, un, you know, you can't turn back the clock. Uh, so do do what you do best. And right now, this team can score, and uh, they're going to give up um, arguably their best scorer. Um, and in my opinion, for what's supposed, in, in my opinion, what they need to do, uh, uh, if you could move both Lowry and Powell at the deadline, I'd do both. I would do both. Uh, we again thank Michael Grange for joining us. For uh, John Shannon, Bob Callan, uh, have yourselves a swell weekend. If the Crypto Rise, we'll see you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody.